So we are beginning a new series entitled Eating with the Enemy, and if you learn nothing, nothing else from the series, don't have dinner with Darth Vader. Um, but in the time and place that Jesus was born, raised, and lived his life, uh, the enemy was really viewed as the Roman Empire. Um, not only were they occupying the Jewish land of Israel, but the morality of the Romans was offensive to religious Jews. Uh, the Roman culture was a violent culture. It was a sexually promiscuous culture. They had this pantheon of gods that they worshipped. Um, yet at the same time, the power and glory of the Romans was really appealing and attractive, and it caused many Jews to compromise their faith or to leave the faith altogether. Uh, in order to pursue the economic and social benefits of the Roman culture. And for the religious Jews who maintained their faith, again, the Romans, they were the enemy. They were a threat to their attempts to be faithful to the one true God. However, if you look in the Gospels at the ministry of Jesus, the big bad Romans are rarely, rarely portrayed as enemies of Jesus. For Jesus, his enemies didn't come from outside of the faith. For Jesus, his enemies came from inside of the faith. The Sadducees, who were the Jewish religious elite, uh, they were often against Jesus. Uh, Pharisees, who were uh, the Jewish religious heroes of the common people, they too were often against Jesus. And so for Jesus, his enemies came from inside the faith. And so actually, if you learn nothing else from this series, Eating with the Enemy, just remember that historically, the biggest threat to the church has been always from the inside, not the outside. Um, over the centuries, the persecuted church often grows and thrives. It's the powerful church that is often corrupted and unfaithful. And again, what is the number one problem the church has? People have the perception that we are hypocrites. And where does that come from? Well, pick a church scandal, any church scandal. But on top of that, you know, again, the church is made up of imperfect people. And so we often don't live up to the standards of the faith. But I would also say that not every charge of hypocrisy is really fair, but a lot of them are. Um, and so the biggest threat to the faith comes from inside, not the outside. This is true, both corporately and individually. Uh, for the church as a whole, it, it often has a lot of self-inflicted wounds. But even as individuals, our individual faith, this is true. Reflect for a moment. When you struggle in your faith, does the cause of the struggle come from outside of you? Or does the cause of the struggle come from inside of you? Which is more true? Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 7. Um, in this series, we're going to look at three different instances that Jesus eats with Pharisees. Pharisees that are against Jesus. And so these are times when Jesus is literally eating with the enemy. Um, and when we uh, look at these stories from the Gospel of Luke, what I would like for us to do is just to evaluate how much we are like Jesus's enemy in the story. And if we take an honest look, there may be times where we don't really like what we see if we do an honest evaluation. Um, addressing the enemy of our faith begins by looking within. 
Our scripture reader for this morning is Alexis Pearson. And so Alexis, if you can make your way on up to uh, the podium. As she does, if you are able, please stand and face the center of the room. Uh, We read from the center of the room as a reminder to us that scripture is to be central in our lives. And uh, we stand because we believe that this is the word of God. And so Alexis, whenever you are ready, um, please read from Luke chapter 7. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, another 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Alexis, thank you very much. You may be seated. Again, I just had a little fun with the title for this morning, Judgment versus Judgment. Um, And you'll notice that the word judgment is spelt two different ways, one with an E, one without an E. And before you judge me for doing that, both spellings are technically correct. You can go either way on that. Um, I've heard it said that good judgment comes from bad experience, and most bad experiences come from bad judgment. And uh, that's just really true. Tuesday evening, my wife and I debated, our car was dirty, and Tuesday evening we were debating whether or not to get our car washed. And if you remember, on Tuesday evening, it got really cold that night. Um, And she said, well, no, let's not get the car washed because the doors might freeze shut. And I said, that won't be a problem. The doors will be fine. Okay, that was Tuesday. My advice for you today, uh, don't get your car washed. Uh, right before freezing temperature. That's a bad idea. Don't do that. Um, The best source, though, of bad judgments is product warning labels. Yes, because product warning labels are there because somebody used bad judgment. Uh, These are real product warning labels. Just gonna, I want you to see some of the judgment people have used from our, <laughs> from humanity here. Okay. A hair dryer, hair dryer warning label. Do not operate while sleeping. Um, a flat iron warning label. Do not use as an eyelash curler. 
a washing machine, warning label. Do not put any person in the washer. Um, a warning label on a printer. Do not eat the toner. Um, Apple warns, do not eat iPod shuffle. A warning on a clothes hanger, do not swallow. I, apparently we have problems just putting, eating stuff we're not supposed to be eating. I don't. A carpenter's electric drill, not intended for dental use. Uh, a letter opener, safety goggles recommended when using. I, I don't quite understand. Um, a wheelbarrow, not intended for highway use. Uh, a jet ski, never use a lit match to check fuel level. Um, a chainsaw, this is actually a good one. I would recommend following this one. A uh, chainsaw, do not hold the wrong end of the chainsaw. Uh, good judgments and bad judgments, or I just kind of use the terminology, negative judgments and positive judgments. In the story, there are both. Um, a couple negative judgments that I just want to highlight come from Simon. Uh, Simon makes decrees. He makes decrees about others. Uh, Jesus is having dinner at this Pharisee's house. His name is Simon. Uh, a woman who has led a sinful life shows up. A sinful life most likely means that she was a prostitute and she's weeping and kissing Jesus' feet and she pours perfume on his feet. And if you go back, if you still have your Bibles open, to verse 39 of the passage, you can see Simon's response to this, where it says, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet... He would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. See, Simon does something that we're all quick to do. Uh, he casts judgment on someone else, and he makes different decrees about people, um, at least if nothing else, to himself. And he decrees that Jesus is not a prophet, because if Jesus was a prophet, he would know who was touching him, and he would be appalled at who the woman was. You know, again, a prophet would know who she is, and it wouldn't be okay with what was going on, but this doesn't seem to bother Jesus. And so in Simon's mind, he can't possibly be a prophet. But the Pharisee also decrees that the woman is a sinner, and it really doesn't matter what her background is. It doesn't matter that in that culture, a woman really didn't have real rights. It doesn't matter that she probably didn't have any other options, that the life she was living was most likely the only option she had in order to survive. Now, that doesn't make what she did right, but there's no room in Simon for compassion or understanding or mercy. There's only this decree, a decree of judgment. And this is totally us. Right, whether it's something related uh, politically or culturally or religiously or socially or economically or racially, whatever. Um, we find reasons to judge one another. Whether it's who we vote for or our political stances on almost anything um, or what we eat or how much we exercise or don't exercise or how we raise our children or where we live or our educational level or what kind of cars we drive. I don't know what standards each of us have used to judge others, but we all have them. And we're pretty harsh in making our own decrees about others. But I think a good question is, what about us? What about ourselves? What about Simon? See, the, the second negative judgment Simon does here is Simon deceives himself. See, Simon easily sees the flaws in others but not the flaws in himself. 
If being quick to judge others is one negative judgment, then this is the other, not seeing our own flaws. In Galatians 5, there's this list. The list is called the fruits or the fruit of the Spirit. And the last thing listed under the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Now, the trick with self-control is that in order to have self-control, you have to know what's out of control. But we spend little time looking at how we are out of control and a lot of time, a lot of time looking at how others are out of control. If you look at the second half of verse 47, Jesus says to Simon, but whoever has been forgiven little loves little. And Jesus seems to be making his own declaration, saying Simon hasn't been forgiven much. Now, God's grace and God's forgiveness is open to Simon, but Simon hasn't been forgiven much. Why not? Well, the most likely answer is because Simon doesn't think he needs it. See, he's not like the sinful woman. He's a Pharisee who's dedicated himself to the commands of God. Uh, he strives to follow them perfectly. And so what does he need forgiveness for? Now, we believe that God's forgiveness is available for anyone. And the good news is there is nothing you have done that God can't forgive. There's nothing you've done that God can't forgive. But not everybody receives forgiveness because the reality of forgiveness is you cannot receive forgiveness if you're convinced you haven't done wrong. If you haven't done anything wrong, you don't need forgiveness. Forgiveness is only for those who have done wrong. And so if you're convinced you haven't done anything wrong, you don't need to be forgiven. And this is where Simon deceives himself. As it says in 1 John chapter 1, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now look, it's one thing to say uh, in some generic way, yeah, yeah, I've sinned, I've done wrong, that's probably true of me. Okay, that's one thing to do. It's a totally different thing to specifically identify how. To see how deep our sin goes. To admit that it impacts every area of our lives. To recognize the damage we have done to others. When was the last time you took a good look at yourself and identified areas where you were out of control? And maybe you were out of control just a little bit, maybe you're out of control a lot, but where you went outside of what God desires us to do. Again, to generically admit, yeah, I've sinned, I've done some things wrong. That's a great first step, but that really isn't admitting much. Sometimes our confessions need to be specific and painful. Because when we realize the damage we've done, then we feel the significance of what we've been forgiven of.
which brings us to some positive judgments in the story. If you look at verses 40 to 43 of the passage, if you still have your Bibles open, you'll see how Jesus discerns. Jesus discerns who has experienced forgiveness. Starting in verse 40, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Well, tell me, teacher, he said. Uh, Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, well, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. The one who had the bigger debt will love more. And the one who had the smaller debt will love less. But regardless of which camp you fall in, Jesus makes it perfectly clear that if you've been forgiven, you will love the one who forgives. If you have been forgiven, you will love the one who forgives. Which brings us to a very important question. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Remember the suffering Jesus endured on the way to the cross and the suffering he endured on the cross. And he suffered for us because Jesus loves us and provides forgiveness to us. And if you've been forgiven, you'll love the one who forgives. And look, we can talk about things like obedience and um, how we live and who we worship and how we worship. But before we do any of that, and those are all important things, the first question is, do you love Jesus? If you've been forgiven, you love the one who forgives. And the woman decides to show her love for Jesus. Simon isn't grateful because he doesn't see his need for forgiveness. The woman is grateful because she is painfully aware of it. And Jesus wants Simon to see the difference. And if you go back to verses 44 and 46 of the passage, where it says, Jesus turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Now, in all likelihood, this is conjecture, but it would be consistent. This woman had met Jesus before this encounter, and Jesus probably turned her from her sinful ways. And now he's reclining at the table, and this woman comes in a very emotional state, crying, kissing feet, and attending to his feet, which is a task of a slave, it's a menial task, and he anoints, or she anoints his feet with oil. It's all an act of gratitude. It's all an act of humility. And Jesus compares her to Simon. You didn't give me water for my feet, and she's wet my feet with tears in her hair. I didn't get a kiss as a greeting. She's kissing my feet. You didn't give me oil for my head, and now she's putting perfume on my feet. And it's as if Jesus is saying to Simon, Simon... She's been forgiven. And how do I know? Look at her. She's been forgiven, Simon. What about you, Simon? And what about us? You know, if Jesus were to evaluate 
how we demonstrate our love towards him and use the same criteria he used for Simon and the woman, would he say to us, well, you've been forgiven much? Or would he say to us, well, you've been forgiven little? We're Twin Falls Reformed Church, and the word reformed is a reference to what we believe. It's a reference to our theology. And there's a couple ways to quickly describe and summarize Reformed theology. And here's just one of those ways. Uh, Reformed theology in a nutshell. Three words. First word is guilt. That we are guilty before God because of our sin. The second word is grace. That Jesus died on the cross as an act of grace so that we may be forgiven and reconciled with God. And the third word is gratitude. That those of us who have been forgiven respond with gratitude. And we show our gratitude with our lives. We do not try to live like Jesus so that we can be forgiven and earn God's acceptance. We try to live like Jesus because we have been forgiven. And we already have God's acceptance. We live our lives for God out of gratitude. And I just think it's a good thing to every now and then ask ourselves, are we like Simon, oblivious, oblivious to the forgiveness that Jesus offers? And I think it's a great challenge for us to examine how we demonstrate gratitude to Jesus. When we come to worship here on Sundays, what does our gratitude look like? Have we been forgiven much or have we been forgiven little based upon our worship? Or when we live from Monday to Saturday, what does our gratitude look like? Have we been forgiven much or have we been forgiven little based upon how we live? You see, forgiveness changes how we see ourselves and how we see others. It changes how we see ourselves because the death and resurrection of Jesus, it humbles us. We are not as great as we like to think we are. Again, the woman saw herself with humility and humbled herself to attend Jesus' feet. The good news is even with all of our flaws and all of our sinfulness, Jesus loves us and he forgives us and we receive kindness and compassion from him. We do not have to be perfect. We do not have to get our lives together to be accepted by God. That's the good news. And so forgiveness changes how we see ourselves, but it also changes how we see others. Jesus asks Simon a great question. Do you see this woman? Do you see her? See, Simon was quick to dismiss her because of her sin. And Jesus was quick to forgive her because he saw her value. I don't know what the standards each of us have to judge others, but we all have them. And the next time that you and I find ourselves using those standards to judge and dismiss others, just remember, your standards are probably right. They're probably good standards. Our judging of the other is not. In the eyes of God, whoever it is that we're judging, they have value, just like we have value. So do we see others 
with the eyes of Jesus? Do others experience the love of God when they interact with us? You see, forgiveness changes how we see others. Where we don't focus on their shortcomings, but we focus on their value because that's how Jesus sees them. Again, this series is entitled Eating with the Enemy, where the enemy of the faith is more likely to come from the inside than the outside. And I think it's great as we walk away from the passage this morning to keep in front of us in what ways are we like the woman and in what ways are we like Simon. Please pray with me. And Lord, we do come before you this morning with a deep sense of thankfulness, of gratitude, of gratefulness. Where, Lord, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, that we can be forgiven and we are accepted by you, just as we are right now this morning. And Lord, I would ask that you would um, help each of us show our love for you because we do have this deep sense of what it is you've forgiven us from. Lord, help us to see ourselves differently and Lord, help us to see the people that we come into contact with every day with your eyes as well. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Receive God's blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.